Welcome everyone to WRPX, your wrestling revolution podcast. It's been a while and I am your host, Antonio Garza. And indeed, it has been a while. Uh, the schedule has been getting quite chaotic, but I just had to find a way to record this episode because today we're talking about stardom. We're talking about Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling and we're giving a final update on the G1 Climax before the finals. And at the end, I have a small-ish announcement that I need to make um, regarding the current schedule. But because we have a lot to talk about and because this is a wrestling podcast, let's get right to it. We had a crazy, crazy packed weekend last weekend, especially October the 9th. we had stardom with one of their biggest shows of the year, arguably one of their biggest venues for sure, with Osaka Joe Hall. We had uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling holding their biggest show of the year, Wrestle Princess Number Two, also in arguably the biggest venue they've ever run. We had Impact doing their knockouts, uh, knockouts knockdown special, which was really good. We I won't really talk about it because there wasn't really much to talk about other than just really good stuff. And we had the G1 Climax, who, which, I mean, has been ongoing now for, it's been 16 dates, uh, which is kind of like a month now. Uh, and we are down to the final three nights. We have the finals for each block and we have the finals itself. Uh, so let's get to stardom. The 10th anniversary grand finale, Osaka Dream Cinderella, the Osaka Mecha Stardom at Osaka Joe Hall. This took place on the 9th of October. They had about almost 1,500 people in attendance, which is a pretty good uh, number if you are following Stardom's growth this year. And the show itself, it was just, I mean, what can I say about Stardom at this point? every single show stardom runs has been a knockout they've just been killing it every single show there's not a like granted maybe there's like lesser shows where you can say ah this was skippable nothing like special but at least when it comes to the big shows stardom has been the best promotion of the year easily easily they may not have the money that a aw has but when it comes to like the overall growth the overall uh quality of the shows man nothing beats stardom this match itself uh i mean we're coming off from the finals that had a back to back to back match of the year contenders this one came close to it with two really really strong matches to end the show uh, arguably, maybe match of the year contenders. I don't know. Depends on your preference. But we will get to those. But I'm going to really, really quickly run over the card. It started with Oedotai, Rina, and Saki Kashima defeating Lady C and Wakatsukiyama. That was a pre-show. I actually didn't see this match because I saw the pay-per-view. And... I, I haven't actually gone back to see if they already uploaded to World of Stardom or Stardom World. Um, 
I'm pretty sure it's already up there, but I just I just didn't see it. Um, but I started with Ruaka defeating Unagi Sayaka for the future Storm title. The match wasn't necessarily good, especially because Ruaka won and she won with her Uedo and against. But it's interesting. Definitely, it's interesting that they would put the title on Ruaka. That kind of tells me that they may... I mean, we're not going to see Sayaka win the white belt. But I think Sayaka has kind of like, maybe in the eyes of Stardom, has graduated that future of Stardom level, like with her just run, I mean, this year, because she, she just recently joined, really, uh, the, the company. Uh, but maybe she already is going to start heading into more contention of the tag titles, maybe. Or she's going to be challenging more often for the white title. Uh, I mean, we know stardom is definitely high on Sayaka. And, I mean, don't be surprised if next year we do see her get bigger shots. I, I mean, I don't think she's going to win the white belt. But I wouldn't be surprised if she wins a Cinderella tournament, for instance. Stuff like that, you know? Um, but yeah, like the match itself, I, like I said, it wasn't great, but I think I would put that more on Ruaka. Having said that, I, I thought it was Ruaka's best match, <laughs> at least, uh, after the whole Grand Prix, I think a lot of her matches were really, really underwhelming. They were not the best. And so like this one did kind of perform better than the previous matches she has had. Uh, we had Team Marvelous, that's Maria or Maria in Ring Kadokura versus the Cosmic Angels, Mai Sakurai and Mina Shirakawa. Team Marvelous won. They were actually quite dominant. Uh, I Again, this was probably one of Mai Sakurai's best match that we've seen ever since she joined. Um, I don't know. I, I think uh, Maria and Kadokura really, really pushed their opponents, especially Sakurai, to bring it. Um, because they're really, really good. Maria and Kalukura like are really good, solid wrestlers already, and they can bring like a good match out of their opponents. Shirakawa, um, I mean, she was good, but I wouldn't really say she was like the focus of the match. I think um, she kind of took like a step back to allow Kalukura and Maria to shine, especially working over Sakurai. And so Shirakawa was there, but she didn't do as much. Uh, but yeah, like the match was. It was good. I think it was good. Um, I don't know. Like, it's it's one of those matches where you come in and you know that Marvelous is probably going to get the win, but like uh, not necessarily as strong. But indeed, I I thought that Kalukura and Maria looked really strong in this match. Um, I don't really know if they're gonna be coming back. I mean, we know Kalukura is going to be teaming up with. I think it's gonna be Mayu Watani for the tag team tournament. And so maybe that was one of the reasons why they wanted to to showcase Kadokura in a, in a tag team, like in a strong performance in this show. Anyway, next match, Starlight Kid defeated Fugigen Death for the high-speed title, to, I mean, to, to retain the high-speed title. Uh, this was a really short match, um, but all things considered, given the time they got, being that it's Starlight Kid uh, versus Fukigen Death. And I mean, Starlight Kid has been great for the last couple of months. Uh, Fukigen Death is someone who, you know, you never know what you're going to get uh, because she doesn't always go. And in this particular match, she did, 
have like the time and the chance to give us a good high speed match. And when it comes to high speed, like Fukig and Def can go. Uh, Kaori Yonayama, the, the lady, the wrestler behind the clown makeup, is a really, really good fucking wrestler. And so it's always a treat to get to see her like really perform and not just be a shtick. Uh, obviously, there was some shtick. I'm not going to say it. there wasn't, but there was more wrestling than shtick. And that's exactly what I, I love about Fukigen Def. Because when she goes, she can go. Uh, yeah, Starlight Cage just looked really good. Really, really good um, in her defense. Uh, she had a really cool entrance where they had like this ramp that went up and down, similar to Rey Mysterio's trap in WWE. And so Starlight Cage comes out. She's wearing like her old gear, like the white and, and orange and all that stuff. And she goes down into the depths of hell. And then she comes back as Oedo Tai Starlight Kid. And that was fucking good it was really really nice um but yeah really good match uh as of this like this is the third match and the quality is starting to improve uh a match after a match after a match and that was kind of like how the rest of the show went it started to improve and improve and improve and improve next up we had maybe one of my favorite matches of the night uh not not the best one but definitely one of my favorite matches and that was the art of the stardom titles on the line, Donna Del Mondo, the new champions, Himeka, Maika, and Natsupoi defeated and defended against Queen's Quest, Asumi, Momo Watanabe, and Saya Kamitani. This was really good. It was just, I don't know, like this Queen's Quest team felt like, like, like a dream team. Even if they're an actual team, they felt like a dream team. Like... It's really hard to put into words, but go watch the entrance of Queen's Quest and see how there's something about like Asumi coming in like with the jump, with the platform, and then right as she falls and she's like on her kind of like knees, then you start to see like the gear, like the glorious, glorious gear of Sayaka Mitani. And she's coming out like a freaking like final boss of a video game. And then behind her is Momo Watanabe with a freaking flag with the Queen's Quest flag. They just look like a billion fucking dollars. They look like they look like the fucking Avengers and the Justice League combined into the greatest trio ever. It's it was fucking amazing. Uh, it, like I said, it's really hard to put into words. You need to go and watch it. At least watch the entrance. Uh, they look legit and then you had Donald Mundo who is coming out I mean the entrance is not as spectacular but they are coming out with matching gear and then I don't know they look like a unit like a different type of unit but they look like a unit and then they had like a really really good match it went about almost 17 minutes of just pure action I mean obviously you have some combinations there between Mike and Watanabe Asumi and Natsuboy uh, Himeka and literally anyone on the other team. Uh, it's just like really, really good combos between these two teams. And it was just fantastic. And at the end, you still have uh, Julia out there just helping, like uh, supporting your team. You know, it, it's it's really, really nice to see. Like that was one of my favorite matches just of all of the whole card. Whew. Next 
we had Hasuki making her return to stardom after about two years of retirement. I think she retired at the end of 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so she made her return here against her longtime friend and I guess rival, we can say, Koguma. And the match was good. Uh, it I was I was kind of like wondering what's going to be Hasuki's return match. How rusty is she? But she looked really really good. Um, there was a couple spots that you can maybe say like uh her timing or her like crispness wasn't there. Uh, like one particular that just popped in my head right now is like I think she's hitting a running boot on Kaguma who is on the ropes, and she didn't. She didn't get her head. She, she, I think she either hits like her side or, or didn't even hit her. Uh, and so things like that maybe were off, but they're not necessarily bad things. Um, she hit the, the kick again and she got it perfectly. But I, I don't know. Like I think her, her speed was there. Her positioning was for the most part there. Uh, I don't know. Like she performed really, really good. And as the match went on. She looked even better and better and better. Like it was kind of like riding a bicycle. I think uh, as soon as she started going, she just caught on again and she felt comfortable. And the match was really good. It was only uh, 12 minutes, but it was really, really good. And after the match, they decided to become a tag team partners, well, a tag team, and go into the tournament for the Goddess of, of Stardom titles. And... I think it's going to be a good direction. Uh, obviously, Hasuki's last team was Oedotai, but she's definitely not Oedotai right now. Her gear looked really similar to Oedotai, but she's not Oedotai. Uh, we don't really know where she's going to go. We don't really know. I mean, we actually, we don't really know anything on, on her plans going forward. I mean, by all means, maybe this kind of felt like a one-time thing for the big show. But I don't know. I think her going into the titles is going to be a positive. Obviously, teaming with Kaguma could be an indication that she's... I mean, she's going to be a babyface, but is she going to go to Stars? I don't think so. I don't think she's a good fit for Stars right now. Especially the, the current Stars. But I don't know. I think it's interesting to see what Hasuki does in the next couple of months. Then we had a match that was, I mean, you can kind of tell that this match was uh, booked on the last minute. This was an SWA Undisputed World's Woman, World Women's title match. Suri defended the title against Saki Kashima, who had wrestled in the opener. And originally, this was supposed to be Suri versus Konami, I guess for the title. I don't think they ever specified, but I'm pretty sure it was for the title. But Konami, unfortunately, was sidelined last minute, I think. Honestly, I think it was like the day before that I, I saw the news or something like that. Um, and so, Suri originally was kind of like just told, well, I mean, we're going to put you on commentary. Uh, maybe it was like a matter of it's going to be far hard to to get a like a replacement, especially like for a third match from the top uh, level of match. But at the end, Saki Kashima, who had wrestled in the opener in the, in the pre-show, she kind of like stepped up and she got the title shot. And for what it was, I think this was perfect. It was 
almost a squash. Suri was just incredibly dominant. Um, Sagi Kashima did get some some offense, so it wasn't like a squash squash. But I mean, it was definitely like a dominant win for Suri, which works best at this point because Suri is kind of like a challenger that's going to be built towards Utami Hayashishita come the end of the year. And so a match like this as a filler, it was okay just to build her up a little bit, uh, just to get her on the show for sure. And so, I don't know, like the match wasn't as good maybe as we have seen throughout the night, but honestly, it it was perfect for what it was in my opinion, uh, especially for a match that was probably booked the, the day before. So good, good stuff there, I think. And then we go into the first of the two title matches, the big title matches of the night. The first is the Wonder of Stardom Championship match. Tam Nakano and Mayu Iwatani, who she nominated, went to a time limit draw of 30 minutes in what was, in my opinion, personally, the match of the night um, in quality. I, I thought this was better than the main event. But... Man, this was just fantastic. Like, I tend to say that Iwatani or, or Nakano tend to have either their match or someone else's match. It's rare that they have something in between, but this was, this was something in between. This was both Tam and Mayu going back and forth. Really, a couple of really stiff shots because uh, they really went like a lot of striking, which is not always like a Mayu thing. I mean, she does kick a lot, but it's not always like... She's not always like a striker. And uh, this was definitely like heavily striking. A lot of dives. A lot of... Uh, there was a lot of mirror spots where if someone did something, then the other one kind of like went, went back and did it too. There was a spot where they both hitting... They were mostly German. It's weird because they were both looking for the dragon suplex, but, but both of them were also blocking the other's dragon suplex. And so they all... They both hit... Um, German suplexes instead and like that type of spot where like if you can do it I can do it too and then go back and forth and that was like the match for the most part uh, this match when it hit the 30 minute they had been doing a couple of near falls especially uh, Nakano was going for a lot of near falls but it in a similar way to Hayashijita and Suri for from uh, like a month ago or maybe even more now, um, the the five-star match, they they did manage to end the match with them just kind of going at it, not necessarily like a race to the clock, like none of that. It was just them going back and forth, a lot of near falls. And it was good. I, I really, really liked it. Uh, after the match, there were some comments done, like uh, pretty much Iwatani saying like, hey, you you managed to keep the title today, but next time I'm going to take the title and after that, Unagi Sayaka, who actually has a win over Tam Nakano from the Grand Prix, came out and challenged her stablemate to a match. I, I, It's going to happen at the Super Wars. I just don't know exactly which of the cities it's going to be at because Super Wars, I think it's doing... It's going to be three big cities um, at the end of October, start of, of November. And so I'm not exactly sure which one they are going to be going uh, to be wrestling in. But that is a match that is right now on the books. 
It's going to be Sayaka versus Nakano for the Wonder of Stardom. And that's what I'm saying about Sayaka. Like, she lost the future and she's going to start challenging here and there. It's kind of like Sayaka Mitani, where she started to challenge. She started to, like, get some, some I don't know, notable matches. And then she won the Cinderella. So don't be surprised if someone like Sayaka wins the Cinderella maybe next year or maybe, like, in two years. Uh, because, like I said, stardom is really really high on sayaka and sayaka i think in my opinion has been improving since coming in since being in tokyo joshi pro wrestling for sure so all good things considered and finally we get to the main event of the night the world of stardom title no time limit utami hayashishita defeated takumi iroha in a fantastic fantastic 30 minute and 52 second match so they just like 52 seconds more uh out wrestled the wonder of stardom title match which i mean if you're going to be doing a no time limit it's i guess like you first usually go beyond just to make to make use of the stipulation and then if you ever want to do it again that's when you can go lesser but i think at this point you kind of have to establish that if you go no time limit with Hayashishita, chances are you are going to like surpass the 30 minutes. But uh, this was a really, really good match. Um, Hayashishita was a freaking beast in this match. Sometimes we see Hayashishita, I don't know, like she's always dominant. But this, this match, we saw a really vicious Hayashishita. It, it kind of seemed like she knew she was going against someone who she couldn't defeat in 20 minutes and so she knew that she hit, she had to push forward in order to defeat her in 20 minutes uh she didn't manage to do it in 20 minutes but i mean she at least got the win 10 minutes later but yeah we did get a really vicious hayashishita she was she went after iroha's arm and she was just relentless and obviously Hiroha did make a comeback and she also kind of like hurt uh, Hayashishita's arm. And so there was like back and forth, back and forth, a lot of big power moves. And at the end, Hayashita won with the BT bomb. A really, really like explosive BT bomb because it just felt like there was extra rotations in that BT bomb. Uh, but a really, really strong finish. Uh, like I said, like arguably these two matches, I think... For some people, there are going to be match of the year contenders. I don't, I don't think they were as strong as the finals of the Grand Prix, nor I think they are better than Hayashita versus Yuri, or nor I think they they will be better than Hayashita versus Yuri at the end of the year. But I think these were two really really strong matches, and I mean, like I said, it's just like another Stardom show that freaking delivers. It, it really feels like I'm watching 2016 uh, New Japan where you can you can feel the rise, you can feel the bus, and you're starting to see certain wrestle, wrestlers like kind of rise and deliver over and over again. And you have your established, like at this point, Iwatani is kind of like your, your Tanahashi, you know, like the guy or the girl in this case, who always delivers and who doesn't need to be involved in the title in order to 
to like enjoy their matches and and you kind of see it with Suri and Hayashishita like your Okadas and your Naitos who are on the rise into becoming this next level competitors and then beyond them you have people like like uh Tam Nakano and Kamitani and Momo Watanabe and Micah and Asumi and Natsupoi and Starlight Kid all these names that are also like right there who at any point can be giving the ball and they will run with it and that's how it feels right now like everyone in stardom feels like they have something going on for them and that's why i say like it kind of feels like that new japan from a couple of years ago where you go into a g1 and aside from Fale and tenson you're like yeah like there's something here there's going to be good matches uh, I don't know, you have all these people that could be credible contenders, and that is how strong Stardom feels right now. And they are going to be going into the end of the year with really strong shows. Uh, after the World of Stardom, uh, the new contenders for Hayashishita are Maika and Hasuki. Uh, they both got, uh, I guess, their wins, and Maika has a win over Hayashishita from the Grand Prix. And so they are going to be challenging at two of the Super War shows. And then, like I said, at the end of the year, on the 29th of December, Suri versus Hayashishita with, I think it's like, that's, I think that's no time limit, but that's it, you know? Um, there, we are headed into a really, really strong end of the year for stardom. And I'm talking about a show where we didn't have Julia. There was no Sayaida. Uh, Lady C was in the pre-show <laughs> Lady C is actually going to be challenging Raka soon also for the future so again people on the rise it's coming like Sukiyama and Sakurai just joined and they're going to figure need to gonna have to rise to the to the to the quest to the to the challenge it's incredible just how strong stardom is and how strong they're going to end their year and we'll see how they start their year next year i i think uh i don't know how close they are but i wouldn't put it past that by 2023 we may see a tokyo dome stardom show if they keep rising at this pace and it's gonna be glorious it's just gonna be freaking glorious <laughs> So yeah, uh, uh, this was a fantastic show of stardom. Uh, I think, like, I'm not going to tell you if or if, like, just go fucking watch the show. Don't find excuses. It was a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic show. And another fantastic show that we had, maybe not as strong, but it had a couple of really good matches, was Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Princess 2, the biggest show of the year for Wrestle for Tokyo Joshi, the second of the Wrestle Princess series. Uh, it was a big success last year, and so they decided to do it again this year. And they are going to be doing it again next year. Um, I think next year they announced it for the Tokyo Dome City. <laughs> Tokyo Dome City, the, the smaller venue next to Tokyo Dome, um, which is a pretty good venue. They've run shows there before. Uh, and they're also going to be doing, actually, well, I mean, starting doing the 29th of December is going to be at Sumo Hall. 
Tokyo Joshi also announced that they're going to be running Sumo Hall next year, uh, which is a big, big jump for them for sure. Um, so th this is another promotion, all female promotion that it's on the rise. Uh, it's making, starting to make really strong waves. And this was actually the first, I think this was the first show that the new Wrestle Universe used to promote. And so a lot of confidence to put to, I mean, when you have no one, you have DDT that put the confidence in getting the new Wrestle Universe going with Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. So that's pretty good for them. Uh, the mat, the card itself, I thought it was a really strong card, but not, I mean, it's not necessarily going to give you a lot of work rate just based on the nature of Tokyo Joshi, I think. Like, it's when you have wrestlers like Hanuna Neko and I don't know, like uh, Yuki Arai, you can't necessarily expect work rate through and through, but I think every match had something worth watching. And I think every match delivered something unique in itself. Like, I don't think you follow Joshi, I mean, Tokyo Joshi, because you want to see the work rate. It's, it's kind of like the difference between New Japan and DDT. There's work rate, but there's also fun. Some people, I can totally imagine watching New Japan and, and saying like, this was really good wrestling, but I didn't really have fun. Because, I don't know, when you're watching Gotos and Kentas and, I don't know, Evils and Jeff Cobbs and Naitos and Ibushis and Tanahashi's, like, not all the matches are fun. They're really, really good, but they're not necessarily fun. And I think that's also the difference here between Stardom and Tokyo Joshi. I think they offer a different type of flavor that you can find as fun. Um, and not saying that work rate isn't fun. I think it's fun, but it's a different type of fun. <laughs> it's hard to explain. It's like the difference between watching, I don't know, like uh, a Martin Scorsese match versus watching a Monty Python match, matches, movies, <laughs> a Martin Scorsese match for sure. A Martin Scorsese movie versus a Monty Python movie. I think you're both, I mean, you can have fun watching both, but they're different types of, of fun. And I think that's the difference here between Tokyo Joshi and Stardom. So, like I said, the matches were not necessarily great, but I did think it had some really good matches, some that I really would definitely say Go out of your way to watch because they were really fun. From the top, we had the opener, Pom Harajuku, Raku, and Ram Kaisho, which is uh, one of my favorite wrestlers uh, that I rarely talk about because she's mostly doing indies and triple six. But she's one of my favorite wrestlers. She, her character is just like the greatest thing ever. I think she's one of the, like, the most badass wrestlers uh, working today. Uh, so it was them defeating the team of Haruna Neko, Kaya Toribami, and Mahiro Kiryu. The match was okay. It's obviously, I mean, a lot of shtick from Raku and Harajuku. But it was great. I loved seeing Ram Kaisho in such a like big venue, like playing around with, with people like Neko and Raku. So that was enjoyable. We had Nodoka Tenma defeating Hyper Misao and Rika Tatsumi. This was your Hyper Misao match. And she tends to have like, like she's had comedy matches before. Like the the Wrestle Princess match from last year was that match against uh, Saki, uh, 
not Sakisama, but the, the lady that looks really similar to Sakisama, Sakiakai, and where they were changing the rules every time they hit the, uh, the corner button. And so I kind of expected some shenanigans in this match. It, they, I mean, there were some shenanigans, but it was mostly wrestling. She tried to make a team with Rika Tatsumi for the most of the match, and so Nodoka Denma just ended up beating both of them. And it was a really fun match. It was good wrestling. Um, definitely like not as much shenanigans as you usually get with Misao, but that was really good. And this was supposed to be just Tenna and Misao, but Rika Tatsumi managed to make it into the show. Uh, I think she had taken some time off, but she, she did make it back to the show, which was a blessing uh, because she's one of my favorite wrestlers in Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. So good match. We had Asuka, uh, known in the U.S. as Benny, and Yuki Kamifuku, and together they're called Benyu, and they're getting really, really popular. <laughs> uh, Asuka is a fantastic, fantastic wrestler. Uh, one of the best, like I guess, indie wrestlers right now in Japan. Um, and Kamifuku is not a great wrestler, but she's a fantastic character. And they, actually working together, they made up for a really good match. They wrestle Marika Kowashi, who is right now one of my favorite up-and-comers. And now Kakuta, who's pretty solid. Uh, she, like she's not a like a fantastic wrestler. I mean, she's a really good wrestler, but uh, I I mean, she's just not like your your main event type of wrestler. But uh, they had a, a pretty good match. Uh, it was mostly Asuka and Kamifuku like dominant. They really really dominated. Uh, I kind of wish that Kobashi would have gotten some more offense because I really really like her. But uh, I think just. This was kind of like about pushing Asuka and Kamifuku as a strong team. I can totally see them challenging the Princess Tag Team Champions later down the road. Maybe for that January 4th show. Uh, I think that could be like a really, really strong semi-main for that show. Uh, because I do think they're going to stick with this team for a while. But yeah, it was a good match. Uh, next up, we had... In my opinion, it was one of the best matches of the night. This was Riho and Shoko Nakajima defeating Arisuendo and Susume. This is a kind of like a veterans, former champions versus the up-and-comers, Endo and Susume. And this was, in my opinion, freaking great. Endo and Susume, like, they, they stepped up to the plate and they gave them a fantastic match. This wasn't like cute Susume and cute Endo. This was like ass kicking Endo. Like she had a fucking look that she was going to burn your house. And Enrico and Nakajima, they're I mean they're they're freaking amazing. They're solid. They can carry anyone to a fantastic match. And this is what happened. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, we also saw Riho and Nakajima be considerably dominant, but Endo and Susume like look fantastic. They just pushed and pushed and pushed. Um, this was up to this point. This was my favorite match, and the next matches that we're gonna have, like maybe they are arguably better, but this was just one of my favorite matches of the whole night. And man, like Endo and Susume, they just looked fantastic. Similar to Kobashi, I see like a big, big future in their paths because they're really young and they're already really good. And I think, like, especially Endo, fuck, like, she just looked fantastic. We had 
Aja Kong and Moka Miyamoto defeat Miyu Watanabe and Juki Arai. This is a match that kind of has like two things going on, uh, like on separate paths, but they came together in this match and it was pretty fun. Aja Kong and Miyu Watanabe had clashed, I think, at least once before uh, in the previous big show that, that Tokyo Joshi had. And from there, we saw that Watanabe, she's strong, but she couldn't take like she couldn't bring down Kong. And so ever since she's been training, she's been doing the the giant swing. And like I think it's called the blossoming big swing. And so her, her motivation in this match is I'm going to bring down Kong and I'm going to fucking swing her. On the other side, you have Miyamoto and Arai, who are two of the youngest uh, rookies in the promotion. Yuki Arai uh, comes from a idol background, while Miyamoto seems to be more of a wrestling uh, background. I don't know if she's had like any idol experience. I wouldn't be surprised. But even though Yuki Arai is newer than Miyamoto, she has a pin win over Miyamoto, and so Miyamoto wants to get pretty much revenge on getting that on that win back. Uh, and so that's how like, like how this combination of matches came together. And the match itself was really fun. Like Yuki Arai, she she really, really tried. She like maybe she's not there yet yet, but she really tried and she took some stiff punches from Kong. Like she Kong hit her with the basket she always carries around. And it was fucking stiff. <laughs> um, yeah, like Arai definitely like she was in there and it was kind of like she was thrown into Aja Kong for some gatekeeping and Kong, she delivered. And Juki Arai, she took it. And that was, I think that was fantastic. Watanabe is a fantastic wrestler. I think in my opinion, she's one of the most underrated wrestlers uh in japan altogether uh she's really young but she's i don't know she's fantastic her, her wrestling is really good she is getting better she's getting stronger uh and i think she's she's i don't know like i want to see Mi watanabe start to flirt with the title start to flirt with you know jamashita and and misuki and sakasaki and all those names i think watanabe could definitely be up there uh, I think Watanabe would be a fantastic international princess right now. Uh, well, I mean, Hikari Noah is pretty good, but um, like Watanabe could be a good follow to whenever Hikari Noah's title uh, reign ends. And so, yeah, like I'm super high on, on Watanabe right now. I think, uh, I don't know, there, there's just something about her style. She's she's physical. She knows how to pose, how to how to look and and combine that with the whole idol thing i think it's like a fantastic fantastic combination and yeah i enjoyed it um uh, i'm kind of glad she didn't get like big swing kong because i would have been really scared for kong's health <laughs> uh but still like uh i mean we've seen watanabe do like the double swing in the last month and so i think those little things are going to make her uh better and noteworthy in not just the promotion, but like Japan and wrestling altogether. Next up, we had the first of tonight's in uh, matches of, I mean, title matches. This was the international princess title held by Hikari Noah, and she defeated Juki Aino. Uh, 
in about 12 minutes i didn't think the match was that good um noah was really dominant and it kind of felt weird that at this level juki aino who has a win over jamashita and noah i don't know i didn't think she was strong like I think this match did wonders for Hikari Noah because she was vicious and she was like focused and she won the title and really dominant. Uh, but I don't know, for Aino, it was kind of weird to see her just at this level not be more dominant or be more, or like the match be more back and forth. Uh, I really thought that Noah was really dominant. Uh, maybe it was just a matter of like, how each wrestler like communicates with their mannerisms and their selling because Noah's movement looked way more secure than Aino's and maybe that is the case. Um, but yeah, like the match itself was good. I I, I didn't think it was uh, like better than the Endo and Susume or even the Watanabe and Arai matches, like the two previous matches. But um, it was okay. Uh, I, I think I you know needs to explore more her character, her personality. I think Noah right now is really developing as that hardcore type of of girl in, in Tokyo Joshi. But I think I you know needs to really explore um I don't know, explore more. Cause when you compare for instance Nodoka Tenma in the pretty much in the opener like she was way more i don't know like serious and determined in her match whereas aino felt more like i don't know like i don't want to say like a victim but kind of like a victim where she's the underdog and she just presents herself as the underdog even if she's not the underdog and so i don't know i think i think she needs to develop i think she should uh i don't know ex explore I don't know, maybe like a darker side of herself or like a serious side because her and, and Tenma tend to be like the happy-go-luckies uh, in the promotion, like the ones that always comes out and like just smiling, smile for everything and then suffer in the match, but then smile. I don't know. I think it's it's worth exploring a more serious and darker side in Juki Aino. I think, I think she needs a, uh, maybe like a change of gear, maybe a change of, of hair, just to make her seem just to give her like a difference between happy go lucky I know and determined I know. I think that would make a lot of difference for her. But yeah, that was a match. Next up we had the Princess Tag Team match. A really fantastic story. The magical sugar rabbits, Misuki and Juki Sakasaki finally defeat the Neo Bishiki Goon team of May Saint Michelle and Saki Sama. This was really good. And if you know the story between these two teams, it's even better. 2019, the Magical Sugar Rabbits are your champions. And they lose to Neo Bishikigun, the team that they have never defeated. Never. And in that last match, it was Misuki who got the pin in a really dominant way. And... Ever since, uh, I mean, Neobi Shikigun would lose the titles later down the road, but Magical Sugar Rabbits never got the revenge. And now they come back together and they're fighting a new version of the Neobi Shikigun team. And so 
it it comes down to to Sakisama and May going after Misuki because they've been getting into her head that she is the weak link of the team. And that's how the match went. Uh, we had a really awesome pair up with Sakisama and Yuka Sakisaki, but 70% of the match was May and Misuki just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And Yuka would come in, hit a couple of spots, and then it was back to Misuki and May back and forth. And then Sakisaka would come in. And then again, May and Misuki back and forth, back and forth. It was just like so freaking great. Like it was, it went almost 20 minutes and May and Misuki just freaking killed it. Um, a bunch of near falls. Uh, I don't know, like shenanigans, tricks, ref bumps, everything. But like at the end, Misuki finally overcomes her. I mean, I don't know, whatever happened in 2019. And she gets the win over May and she wins the titles. And when that happened, like Sakisama and Yuka were outside the ring. Like they, they had been either fighting outside the ring or just laying down because it was all May and Mizuki. And it was just a fantastic, fantastic match. Like May, May Tsuruga is so incredibly good. Like three years in, I think it's been like three years. And she's just like in there. In the semi-main event of the biggest show of Tokyo Joshi. And she's fucking killing it. Almost 20 minutes against Mizuki. And then, I mean, obviously also against Sakasaki. And it's just freaking great. And finally, the, the Sugar Rabbits get the revenge. And Mizuki gets her own personal revenge. And, like, it was beautiful throughout the match. Because everything that the Sugar Rabbits did, they did it as friends. They did it as a team. Like, there's a spot where the, uh, I think Sakasaki does the magical splash into the ring, and Mizuki does a plancha onto the outside. And they climb the ropes, holding each other's hands, and they keep, like, they hold their hands until the last minute. And, and like, things like that. There's also a spot where uh, Mizuki is on Meisuruga's, like, ultra criminal. Uh, submission the one she's been getting with the the same Michelle um, she's been getting a lot of wins with that move and Misuki is in it and she's freaking like just in pain she, like she can, she doesn't have anything to drag herself but like up jumps Yuka Sakasaki and like just from the the apron being held by Sakisama and Yuka is motivating Misuki to make the ropes and together they like they help each other they motivate each other and that's how Satmisuki makes the ropes and she escapes and it's lo those little things of like the friendship of Yuka Sakasaki and Misuki is something that is just like a diamond it we I've talked about it like man almost a year ago when Misuki and, and Yuka Sakasaki had their title match together. And it was one of the most beautiful matches ever because you you're seeing two friends that love each other go against each other and like pretty much for the first time with like big stakes on the line. And they have to betray their love because they want to win the title. And in this case, it's them not betraying their love, but just fully embracing the love between each other 
to win the titles and overcome their billions, their opponents. And it was just beautiful, beautiful storytelling. Like nothing, no one does stories. Like in Japan, no one does stories like Tokyo Joshi, I think. And especially no one does stories like the Sugar Rabbits. They're just like, holy fuck. Uh, there's just so much love between them. And it's... It, I don't know. It's like looking at the sun. It's just so bright. I, I fucking love it. And now we get into the main events of the night. The match of the night easily. Oh, I guess easily. I don't know. It depends on your, your preferences. But Miyu Jamashita defends the title against Maki Ito. Jamashita re uh, retains and she is still the Princess of Princess champion. And this match was beautiful in a different way this was exactly what it had to be i think there are some uh u.s dorks who are like oh why didn't makito win you know because america yeah the truth is makito shouldn't win the title especially at this point um because makito's whole story ever since day one ever since her debut match against yamashita which we actually saw in the pre-show has always been about the chase, about proving not just to herself, but proving to others that she has it. And it's always been the chase. And she's gone against Jamashita six times and she keeps losing, but she keeps getting closer and she keeps getting closer and she keeps getting closer. And one day she will defeat Jamashita and she will win the championship or or maybe retaining at that point i don't know but makito's day will come and that's what the when the chase will finally be over but we're not there yet right now she is the chaser she has made it into the the main events of the biggest show of the year but she needs to keep on going the happy ending is not here yet but if she keeps fighting the happy ending will come and the match itself was just fucking great <laughs> it was just fucking great like Jamashita is the kicker of kickers and Makito has the head of, of steel and so obviously there's a lot of like clashing there between uh, Jamashita trying to kick Ito's head out but then Ito just being incredibly strong when it comes to head uh, to her, her the having a concrete head skull and at the same time, Makito's uh, focus point tends to be the legs because she goes for the Boston Crab, she goes for the Ito Punishment and the Ito Special. And uh, if you take the legs out of Yamashita, she obviously hurts. She cannot kick as strong. So there's like a really good combination there going on. Uh, the match itself is eventually comes down to just Yamashita being better than Ito, but Ito is not easy to go down she keeps on getting up she keeps defiantly getting up and going after Jamashita but at the end it's just too much for Ito and with her fingers like up in the air Jamashita kills Ito and she gets a one two three with the I think it was the crash rabbit and poof, what a fantastic match it was like great storytelling great performance work by both women like there's really good character work by both women and 
it is an incredible escalation for Jamashta and for Makito just as characters and as competitors and wrestlers like Makito's like this was easily Makito's best match of her career she finally has a match where people can actually say oh she's a good wrestler because now there's actually proof <laughs> everyone in the US who says like oh she's a major wrestler is like I'm pretty sure you haven't watched a single fucking match but now she finally has that one match where she's like she's fucking good and Jamashita is 100% the ace she's the fucking ace <laughs> she's one of the, like she's she's just like even with with people like uh i don't know like Rijo and Nakajima and Asuka and all of them in the card fucking Mio Yamashita is the fucking ace and goddamn what a beautiful match and at the end they they just the only thing that was left for them is to embrace because they are still friends. They they Jamasha still wants to tag team with Ito. And Ito wants to tag team with Jamasha. It's similar to Mizuki and Sakasaki, who like who they have to ignore sometimes their their friendships because they are both at the end of the day chasing the same dream, which is being the champion and being the best in Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. And that was a show. It was a fantastic show. In my opinion, uh, even though Stardom had the better show work rate-wise, I did think this was a, most, a more important show uh, through and through. Just based on on the storylines going into the show, the, the Stardom show had really no storylines. It was just going to be like really good matches through and through. But this had so much build put into and and it delivered and i thought it was a fantastic fantastic show i am so excited to see tokyo joshi grow uh because they've also grown so much in the last year uh obviously they again they don't have the resources that stardom has but they're they're freaking pushing you know and next year as stardom is announcing sumo hall tokyo joshi's right there behind them announcing sumo hall too and I don't know. I'm excited for for 2022 when it comes to Japanese Joshi's. There's just so much momentum going on right now. <sighs> Man, it's just fantastic. It's I fucking love pro wrestling, dude. <laughs> I fucking love pro wrestling. And just to end the show with more pro wrestling, let's talk about the New Japan G1 Climax 31. Uh, Today, as I am recording, it was night or day 16, um, the last show before the finals for each block. At this point, uh, I think we're pretty much down to like who the real challenge is going to be. Uh, block B today saw a little wrench thrown in uh, to make, I guess, things interesting because we kind of had to the way that block went. Uh, but really quick, I, I, I'm not going to talk about necessarily the results of the matches or anything like that. But I do want to go over kind of like the standings of both blocks and where we find each other. Uh, I think that will be like an easier way to really analyze, uh, I don't know, what the potentials are for the finals and, and going forward. And so we can start with uh, the A block. A block, we have 
a kind of like, do we still have a lot of people in contention? Uh, Toriano, the great Ocon, who really quickly, I want to say this, the great Ocon is fucking amazing. Like he had a submission match with Saber. He had a striking match with Ishii. He had an MMA match with Ibushi, a strong style with Takagi. Like the great Ocon, anyone who says that, oh, he's not that good. You know, you're a fucking moron if you're still saying that the great Ocon is not good because he is freaking amazing. Likewise, Tangaloa has been fucking good. Chase Owens has been really good, like fucking solid. Tamatonga has been doing really good. Even Takahashi, he looked better than last year. Whoever at the start of the G1 was like, oh man, this G1 is going to suck. I mean, it's not like last year's where, I mean, Chase Owens is in the show. I mean, honestly, in hindsight, you look like a moron now. But anyway, so Toriano, The Great Okan, Tangaloa, Yuhiro Takahashi, and Tetsuya Naito all eliminated. Naito, as we know, had to be, uh, had to pretty much forfeit all his matches because of the injury. And so the contenders still in the, in alive in the turn in the block are Kota Ibushi, Chingo Takagi, Kenta, and Zack Saber Jr. with 12 points each. And right behind them is Tomohiro Ishii with 10 points. So at this point, um, I, 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 I think we can agree that there are slim chances that Ishii is going to make it to the finals. Um, but, I mean, maybe. I actually have the calendars here of the final nights and we can talk about them. Well, I guess let's just jump into it. The final night is going to be Ibushi versus Kenta, Ishii versus Yano, Takagi versus Takahashi, Saber versus Tangaloa, and Kojima versus Great Okan. So the Great Okan... He cannot pass, but like in the other matches, I can totally see Tangaloa being spoiler for Saver uh, as a way to even build Guerrillas of Destiny versus the Techers for the titles, maybe. Takahashi can potentially win against... Uh, I mean, Takagi can most likely will defeat Takahashi, meaning he advances to 14 points. And then we have Ishii... Uh, who will most likely defeat Jano, but he will only advance to 12. But at the point where Takagi wins his match, Ishii is eliminated. And then it just comes down to Ibushi and Kenta. If Ibushi wins, he advances. If Kenta wins, Takagi advances because Takagi would have the tiebreaker over Kenta. Uh, but so at this point, when Takagi wins his match, it really just comes down to Kenta being a spoiler to Ibushi. I think there's a big chance that Ibushi could pass to the finals and just kind of, I think it would be his third in a row G1 finals. And I think that is a good precedence. I, I don't think he's going to win it, but I think it would be like a strong record and, and play the story of like, oh, can Ibushi make it three in a row? And I think that's why Ibushi is going to make it to the finals. I would... Like, Takagi would be a good contender, but I don't think the champion should advance to the finals. I don't think so. Uh, so I think it's going to be Ibushi. I would love it to be Saber, obviously, but I think it's going to be Ibushi. And then we go to the other block, the B block. In this block, 
everyone has been uh, eliminated. And surprisingly, the man on top, undefeated, is Jeff Cobb. I am I'm so surprised that Jeff Cobb is undefeated. He defeated Evil. And it was interesting because throughout the tournament, we got to a point where it felt like if Cobb wins, Okada wins. If Okada wins, Cobb wins. And in this final show, we did see Okada take a loss to Tamatonga, but Cobb defeated Evil. And so we now have Cobb with 16 points. Okada needs to win his final match in order to advance. And who is his final match against? That's right. It's Jeff fucking Cobb. So it's going to be Cobb versus Okada. That is, that's what the, the whole show comes down to. Cobb versus Okada. Winner takes all. Um, and so we may potentially get... I'm thinking we're getting Okada versus Ibushi. And then Okada wins the whole G1. I think it's time for Okada to be back into title contention. And with the fucking, win the title at the Tokyo Dome. Um, uh, yeah, I, I just don't see Ibushi versus Cobb. Though we could because they did have a history together this year. Uh, but yeah, that is where it comes down. Evil, Tanahashi, Sanada, Tamatonga, Joshihashi, Goto, Owens, and Taichi all eliminated. Uh, I mean, they were eliminated like a couple of days ago, actually. Um, but if it, uh, I mean, in terms of points, Evil had 12, Tanahashi and Sanada had eight. Tamatonga had six, then Yoshihashi, Goto, and Owens, and Taichi all had four points. Uh, I think it's okay. I, I, uh, I think this is like a really interesting book in just that they went to two guys at the end, and it's two guys with really, really strong records. Uh, so I, I think that makes it really interesting. Jeff Cobb. Man, talk about a good decision to go with to, with to New Japan and to stay in Japan. Like the dude just went undefeated, undefeated on a fucking G1 climax. I can't remember the last time we saw an undefeated streak. Even Okada, when he was a champion, he lost one or two matches just for the sake of setting up like challenges down the road. Not Jeff Cobb, man. He went 0-8 and 0. Uh, and he's going to lose the final match, but man, that's that's a strong record. He, man, I he he should be really happy right now uh, that he's decided to stay in Japan for for I mean for the year. So uh, we have on October eighteenth, we have the final block of A. I mean the final show of the block A. On October the 20th, we have the final show of Block B. And on the 21st, we have the finals of the G1 Climax 31. And that is going to be it when it comes to like uh, wrestling. But this is going to be a perfect segue for a quick announcement that I need to talk about. Uh, because, man, if you've been listening to this show for the last year, actually, we celebrated the year back at the end of the September month. Uh, and it was like, I, I actually had planned to, to do something like special for that, for the one year anniversary. But the truth is that back in August, I got myself into a, a couple of things that I'm studying right now, like just outside of wrestling, just a couple of goals that I need to set, that I set up for myself that I need to, I don't know, just pretty much 
finalize. <laughs> and some of those goals are really, really taking my time. I am right now super packed between actual work that I need to do in order to support these things that I like to do. And so uh, like just those extra gigs are taking all my time. And because of that, uh, the, the podcast hasn't been as consistent as it was pretty much throughout the show. Uh, there was a week that I completely missed. There were some days that I, I mean, that I've been releasing shows late, obviously this week, for instance, it's, I'm being recording on a, I'm recording days late. And so because of that, I kind of decided that for at least the next couple of months, at least until December, I am going to pretty much finish WRPX season one. <laughs> um, and I think the finals of the G1 Climax are going to be the season finale. This, this is kind of like the go-home show for the season finale. And after that, I like I tell myself that I want to just do special shows, maybe like showcases, uh, because like I, I would like to, to cover Bound for Glory uh, because I do like Impact and I am going to watch it. And I would like to definitely cover... Uh, some of the stardom stuff that's going to happen at the end. But when it comes to, like, I, I'm not going to be following the, like, the KOD round robin tournament. I'm not probably going to follow the best of the super juniors. And so because of that, I, I it's going to be hard to come up with shows. And because of that, uh, yeah, the next show covering the G1 Climax Finals is going to be the season finale of WRPX. And from there on, uh, there won't be a schedule. I'm just gonna like pop in if there's something to talk about. If not, if there's really nothing to talk about until, I don't know, like 2022, I may just come back until 2022 where I, I'm done with these things that I, I set myself up to do. So because of that, uh, I don't know. Uh, apologies <laughs> if it's, uh, if it, if I, if I won't be, uh, I don't know, like make, I don't even know how to say this, <laughs> but yeah, like apologies if, if you've been following the show and it's just hasn't been as consistent. Uh, but that is the reality of things. Uh, unfortunately wrestling is hard to make money off unless you're an actual wrestler or a formal journalist. But if you do this for, for fun, uh, you just have to deal with so much stuff outside of this. And I, I've kind of reached that block right now. So yeah, uh, but thank you if you've been following WRPX for the last year. Just know that it's not the end. It's just a a pause. Season two will come. I don't know when, but it will come. And thank you just for being there. Thank you for supporting. I will still be doing reviews on thewrestlingrevolution.com and I will still be participating on figure 4 W online with the Impact Live coverage. And I will also be on Twitter probably talking about uh, wrestling because that's that's kind of like what I do. But so if this ends for now, just be, just know that you can still contact me in every other venue that we usually talk about. And hey, I mean, maybe this will open uh, some extra time to do more Twitch streams, which also, I mean, that was another thing that we had to stop earlier in the year because life just got really really busy and 
Such is life. C'est la vie. So without further ado, I think that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for following. And I'll see you after the G1 Climax Finals. Adios. Well, that's about it. Son of a gun, we've enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week. I guess we'll have to wait a week before we get to it, but we'll be right back again. For Corey Macklin, Dave Brown, Lance Russell saying bye-bye, everybody.